Hi, my name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phelan McAleer. And welcome to the Anne and Phelan Scoop Daily Virus, where we do what, Phelan? Where we discuss the latest news, views, advice and madness of the pandemic. One of these days, he'll stop with the, with the accent. It's Monday, June the 29th, week 15. Week 15 of the two-week flatten the curve lockdown. Yes. This week will end with the 4th of July, believe it or not. And don't forget, they lied to you. They told you it was a two-week flatten the curve. Uh, and we flattened the curve, and then they said, oh, actually, it's, it's a lockdown. It's a longer lockdown. And we love all the lovely messages we're getting on the Apple podcast, particularly on the Apple podcast where people are able to write. But also people write, they like messages to us. I don't know how they do that. On maybe when, the, when we get those messages, when people send us, I think maybe it's people send us their, their, their nice, very nice sustaining memberships. Thanks so much to you guys. But we have one from Leslie Ann. Um, Leslie Ann 64. Which, by the way, interesting, 64. And yes, you and I, Leslie, may have something else in common. But anyway, Leslie, thank you so much. She gave us five stars. She says, you guys are a breath of fresh air in the political podcast arena. I love how you outline at the beginning of the show what you're going to talk about and that you give great information. Now, by the way, thanks for saying that, Leslie Ann. It's almost like yes. a setup yes. because we've had a little argument over and back about whether or not it's necessary to have a rundown at the beginning. And, Phelan and, feels, and who would be in favour of Phelan, the rundown? Phelan feels the rundown is very important, what they call the teasers. And yeah, no, there's been stress on the set uh, based on those teasers. So uh, you getting, you, Phelan, you made, basically, you just need to know that you made Phelan's day by saying that, Leslie. Yes, um, yes, I, I was accusations, in fact, that I may be Leslie Ann 64, uh, but I'm not. And uh, so thank you, Leslie Ann. Yes, we do, we do. I feel it's very important that people hear what's going to be coming up. I spent a lot of time on our lovely little teasers and... Uh, so now, of course, Anne can't find no, it. I've got it now again. Yes. Sorry. So basically going back again. And then um, I love that you're quirky and funny. Yes. And I love your accents. And I have learned more about current events and this not so deadly virus in the last few months listening to your show than any other podcast I listen to. I can't thank you enough. Well, so thank you so much. Thank you, Leslie. That's Anne, very nice. 64. Thank so you. please go. If you're listening there, go to the Apple podcast. If you listen to this in the Apple podcast, go there, leave a comment, leave a rating. It's really important. And by the way, get get someone to help you find where to put the rating because I think it's really difficult to find. But it's also, and it makes it easier for people to find the podcast the more ratings we have. And Scaredy Cat is making a little cameo appearance. So what's happened is it started raining outside. and Normally they're out and about at five o'clock in the morning. Hello, sweetie. Oh, God. <laughs> you, you know, Anne, the people, this is an audio only. This is people. an audio only, but anyway, just in case. And you're now rubbing Scaredy a Cat against oh, the microphone. Oh, no. Okay, Scaredy goodbye. Cat All right, he's gone. He's now. Okay, let's start with those wonderfully written and carefully crafted teasers that Leslie Ann 64 likes so much. So first of all, what have we got on the show today? Lies, damn lies and statistics and COVID-19 panic mongers. And based on those false, fake statistics or scare tactics, more closures, and these closures are hitting close to home. And one area, one area that is not suffering from COVID-19 recession is the world of film, film financing. Well, a specific part of world, the world of film yes. financing, and that's one, a one, great one, story. One particular area of film financing seems to be particularly flush at the moment. We wonder why, mysteriously. And the New York Times tests the mood of the country along party lines, and you'll be shocked. No, 
maybe not so shocked about the differences between people who are Republican and people who identify as Democrat and how they think things are going. It's really fascinating. And I've actually brought, anyway, we're going to talk about that. But, you know, the, I suppose the first thing that you'll have noticed, you, if you've been, uh, you know, alive and out and about and heard, even walked past a radio or past a newspaper or seen a headline anywhere, you're never going to have, po- it's pos- impossible that you'll have missed the big headline, which is, and this is how the New York Times summarize it, The new virus outbreak in the U.S. is worse than in any other rich country. So this is really, you know, and as we said before, the New York Times, etc., etc., can't you can't get the word anything that says worst or bad or yes. highest or worstest or the worstest ever um, connected with the United States. This is what they're going to really highlight. This is what they really want. So basically, they're saying. Um, most other high income, this is from the New York Times, most other high income countries are dealing with modest numbers of new increases, often an inevitable consequence of reopening, and the countries are responding aggressively. Many are following the advice of public health experts, ordering social distancing, mask wearing, and partial lockdowns, and doing their best to track people who come in contact with new patients. The United States is not. President Trump and many governors continue to flout scientific evidence and send mixed messages about the seriousness of the virus. The federal government, as the Washington Post explained in a helpful reconstruction, has failed to offer the kind of clear and consistent messaging experts say is necessary to mount a successful public health response. And then they talk to you know, an, an infectious disease specialist at Johns Hopkins, put it this way, from the very beginning, This outbreak has been really mismanaged in terms of what the government response should have been. This quote appeared in a Canadian Broadcasting Corporation article headlined, The Lessons Canada Can Take from the U.S.'s Mishandling of COVID-19. And, you know, they love this, by the way, the New York Times, because they're finding these headlines everywhere. Another country that highlights the lessons is Britain. Phelan, I have a quick question for you, little aside here. What does the United States and Britain have in common other than being sort of world powers? Is there anything else that they've got in common right now? They have populist government, populist conservative governments. Shocker. Uh, that were elected. Or maybe unpopular with media types. Yes, were elected despite massive media campaigns to have them not elected. Well, according to this, its Prime Minister Boris Johnson has taken the virus less seriously than most other European countries, but more seriously than Trump. Ooh, so, so he's not worstest, worstest, worstest person in the world. No, that's Trump. That's Trump. So the not so worstest, worstest person is uh, Boris Johnson. Sure enough, Britain is suffering an outbreak that's worse than in most other Europeans, but not as bad in the US. A final point, this is again from the New York Times, Trump and Vice President Mike Pence have claimed that the rise in confirmed US cases is largely the results of more tests. So what are the facts? Um, so it's quite good, yeah. It's quite good to look at, you know, what's the truth, you know? Because what really matters? So yeah, no one is going to dispute that there has been a rise, in dramatic ca- in rise cases. in cases. And actually, Let's be honest, it was totally to be expected, as they do lots and lots of testing. And well, as I mean, the fo- it's hilarious. See the photograph they used to illustrate the New York Times article. It's, it's row after row after row of cars at a testing site in Miami Gardens, Florida. So yes. all these people are being testing, tested, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, I suppose, across the states. And shocker, there are more positive results. But it's really interesting, you know, because you hear all these headlines and you hear all these pundits speaking and pieces on the news and they talk about these cases 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 and you know and when you hear it first you think god almighty you know if you if you haven't been at this as long as you and i have been um 
you think, oh God, this sounds really bad. But the only thing that matters, the number that really matters is, is anyone dying? Are people dying? Are people dying? And the answer is not so much. So there's no corresponding rise in deaths. So yes, the number of cases is going up. And I'm using my hand here, even though as you say, Philip, people can't see me. But I mean, the, the cases are going up, up, up. But if you were to look at the other chart, the chart for deaths is going down. The daily death tolls are continuing to drop in Texas, Florida, and Arizona, as they are for the whole of the United States. As this graph, and in fairness, the New, the New York Times, you berries, know, have, they, have a they have a graph showing cases, but they bury the lead. They bury the lead, which is the, the, the incredible story of where the number of cases have just plummeted um, down, down, down. Another complicating factor, and then people, a lot of people have talked about Arizona. We've heard a lot and, about and Arizona. Increase in deaths, and the increase in deaths. An increase, and lockdown skeptics have been really good about this. And this is from lockdown skeptics. Another complicating factor is that Arizona's rising death toll is partly due to deaths that occurred much earlier, but are only just now being reported. On Wednesday, for instance, it reported 79 new deaths, but they weren't really new at all. According to the AZ Central, the 79 deaths, while included in Wednesday's report, did not all occur in the past day. According to the health department, 53, by the way, 53 of those deaths were from death certificate matching for deaths that occurred previously and the department is just identifying as COVID related. So, Ariz and by the way, Arizona's death toll is now 1,463. And just to contrast that, it's worth remembering that 17,000 people have died in New York. So meanwhile, and you know the summary, the summary of this that's worth you know this is the takeout from all the numbers. And some and we, ha we I don't want you know to be the people who you you tune into and get oh my god no more numbers from these guys. Here's the here's a simple number. Here's it's a simple number. a pretty good number now. Meanwhile, across America as a whole, daily deaths are ninety percent lower than they were at the peak. See the graph below. Weirdly, though, the British media and the, and the American media and the Irish media are not reporting that. 90%. And every time I see a newspaper that talks only about cases and, does, and pulls headlines based on cases and has radio shows just based on cases and they don't give the other rather relevant information of deaths, this is dishonest, horrible reporting. And it's someone who is basically, you know, is... It's panic porn, right? Yes. It's someone it's who is troll no. it's, it's trolling. It's political panic. They're, 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 they're creating... trolling, though. They're trolling through statistics. They're trolling through stories and through data to find worst story I can find. Yes, but they're not doing. They're not creating a worst story for for a headline. They're, they're they're trying to damage Donald Trump. They're trying to show the Trump administration to be you know to be incompetent, to be murderers, to be killers, because they want to affect the election. This you know. Panic porn is too good to them. I mean, a journalist exaggerating a story and getting a great headline, not, not, a, not a exactly shocking news, but a journalist doing this, a journalist trying to destroy his own economy and panic people yeah. uh, and frighten people for an election result. Not Kenneth, that sounds like anarchy. That sounds like that sounds like somebody who's trying to foment revolution or whatever, or or destroy. Well, destroy a country. It's an yes. extraordinary thing, you know, because obviously they want to destroy the village to uh, save it, really. Um, and of course, the reaction and what's, I think what's really disappointing is where in places where you would have thought um, conservative leadership would have yeah. 
would have seen through this and um, and called it out and said we're going to continue as normal. In fact, we've seen the very opposite effect. So Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Florida and um, Texas have kind of rescinded orders for reopening bars and stuff and have sort of slow, they've slowed down the slow reopening, yeah. which is very disappointing. And of course, of course, the moment this started, particularly when we heard from from Texas, etc., I kind of thought, oh God, please God, this isn't going to, you know, of course it's going to come to us. Of course it's going to come to California. Um, and it did. And it came here. So, you know, the latest headlines just from yesterday. So this is Monday, obviously. So yesterday, I think it was literally yesterday yes. on Sunday, Governor Gavin Newsom ordered bars to close in counties, including Los Angeles. Yes. And Shocking. Whole this, this has come, yeah, as Irish people, this is a, this is a huge blow to our... Our culture. It's funny, like, I mean, I've said this to Phelan a load, a load of times, like, before the pubs, when the pubs were closed, I never wanted to go to a pub more. It's like the one thing I wanted to do, which we never go to pubs. We, like, literally never go to a pub. Every, alco- every alcoholic says that. Uh. Well, I've got loads of alcohol in the house, you see. But, no, but, you know, we never but, but go, why we never go to a why pub, wouldn't right? Governor Newsom, but then, but why then w- it's really funny, right? So, literally... Before I, then the pubs opened and before I even got a chance to have that one, you know, what's that film, the one I've kept telling you about? Ice Cold and Alice. Ice Cold, like before I had my little Ice Cold and Alice scene. Alex. In Alex scene, what happens? The pubs are closed again. And I really do feel sorry for people trying to run businesses. It's just a nightmare. But why wouldn't they close? Why wouldn't these pubs close? uh, When the the leadership of Texas and Arizona and Florida are, are buying into the panic. And you know, this is these are Republican leaders buying into the panic and closing bars. So, um, with with uh, with Black Lives Matter and with the coronavirus, COVID nineteen, the Republican leadership has been wanting. Yeah, they have not been out front. It's very difficult, right? When all the media are telling you you're a murderer, but this is the time for leaders, not for followers. And unfortunately, we haven't got that on this case. And, yeah, and we're all suffering as a result. Businesses. And then it's a, I wanted to give a little a little factoid because I think a little bit of historical perspective is worthwhile. And we got this from the Wall Street Journal. I think it's good to remember. Um, so the Spanish flu, this is 100 and I think 102 years ago, the Spanish flu infected 500 million people. Um, coronavirus cases right now pass 10 million globally was the big headline. So the Spanish flu infected 500 million people, one third of the world population then. The world population today is 7.8 billion. So one third infected would be 2.6 billion people if it was the same. 260 times the current 10 million cases. More than 499,000 people have died globally from COVID-19. When the Spanish flu happened, 50 million people... Five zero. Five zero. 50 million people died globally. Um, 675,000 of them were in the United States. And the world's population was a lot smaller then. Exactly. And, I, and a little factoid, I also thought this was good. We just saw this in the, on the Fox News the other day, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to bring this to a conscious level with people. So just in case you didn't know what the symptoms for COVID vi- COVID-19 were and you were wondering if you had it, um, let's go through them again, because some of them we know, but there's some new ones. they got a couple of new ones. I think the list gets longer. So fever or chills cough, shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, fatigue, well I have that. Mm. Uh, muscle, five o'clock in the morning to that'll, do, that'll do, do the it daily to you. virus. Muscle or body aches, headache, new loss, new loss of taste or smell, sore throat, congestion or runny nose, nausea or vomiting, diarrhea. 
pretty awful um, situation there, actually. Anyway, Philip, tell us something nice about well, Hollywood. Uh, no, it's, it's great. It's great, Anne. Like, it's, it's wonderful. Great, you know, it's you know you, you and I know how difficult it is to get funding from movies. Don't, you and, don't even go you there. You know, and I know how difficult it is to get funding for documentaries. Nightmare. But I want to bring some good news to the people out there. There's film financing world is opening up and people are getting money. Uh, people are finding money. Isn't that great news, Anne? That's incredible news, Philip. That is just like, I don't know. Um, this is an incredible story. So film financing, so they're making everything like Disney. They're making what? Is it everything? It's like an action No, movie. actually, no. The, the one Shooting part of the here. world, the one part of, the one subject that seems to be particularly well financed at the moment are documentaries about the outbreak of the coronavirus in Wuhan. Oh, oh, a hard-hitting documentary telling us the truth about what happened in Wuhan. And a hard-hitting movie, uh, perhaps, telling us... Telling the us the truth, getting to the, the, the heart of it, asking the hard questions. Of the Chinese Communist and Party. And are they going to make a star of Dr. Lee, then, of our favourite of our favorite friend, Dr. Lee, the whistleblower? Yeah. Him, among many, many other whistleblowers, by the way, in China, who risked life and limb and died in the process. And some of them that we have never heard of since because they've gone missing in China. Is that what the documentary yeah, and movie you, are going to focus on? You ask. You're so, uh, you're so cynical, Anne. Listen, look, no, we, I, we, we talked about this last week. There's going to be a documentary, Wuhan, Wuhan, uh, which, is be, which is going to capture the surreal scenes from the early moments of the novel coronavirus pandemic. The, the, the uh, co-directed by Chinese documentary filmmaker Ooh, Gong Cheng. And Gong then Cheng. said the filmmakers in a statement, Told through unprecedented access and intense, heart-wrenching cinema verite, this film is testament to the universality of people's collective pandemic experience, demonstrating that no matter what country, no one is immune to disease, and that people, as a human species, share the same humanity in our struggle to survive. And then there's an interesting You know line. the word that I don't like there? I don't like the word collective, but move on. Yes, I mean... There are many words I don't like. The directors began shooting in Wuhan along with a production team of approximately 30 people in the early spring of this year, capturing surreal footage and attempting, people. And attempting to tell the true stories of the frontline health workers who are battling the virus. Hmm. So hmm. there's nothing in this about who's funding it. And one thing I know, if you want to film in China, you need the permission of the Chinese government. Correct. If you want to do a joint venture with Chinese production companies. That's Chinese Communist Party money. And we know, by the way, we know from before, by the way, I'm trying to think what was the, it was one of those Armageddon type movies. I don't 20, know. Tw uh, tw uh, I think it was 2020 or one of those, uh, the day after the, no, it was, oh. was it, basically all those movies, all the, you know in your movies and you see it in Godzilla and all that, where suddenly the Chinese scientist uh, comes in with a breakthrough that saves the day. That's because that's to ensure that the movie gets released in China. So you need a, a sympathetic or a, a heroic Chinese character. So for these, for these really big blockbusting movies, you really want to be a success in China. And China, bizarrely, because it's China, because the CCP are running the country, the Chinese Communist Party, they only allow a certain number of movies in. So if your movie got chosen to be shown in China, you're going to become a gazillionaire. An actual gazillionaire, yeah. correct? And so getting your movie, because movie uh, going in the United States is falling off. Because Hollywood decided to, to, not, to uh, make fun of half the population. Yeah, and they went all woke, which isn't very funny, making not very amusing, and making fun of half the population. All the Trump supporters. And so what they do is, these woke people from, from Hollywood is, 
they take money from the Chinese and then they send their script over yeah, before sure. the movie is even shot to see if the Communist Party of China approves of it. Because you want the gazillionaires. Yes. So this is who... Po- the, so, this so, is, we're not finished. Film's not finished. So that's the docu- I've interrupted That's film. the documentary. Then you go, a new story. New story. Totally new story. A movie is movie. coming from the very same producers. My God. Crazy Rich Asian crazy. producers. The um, Crazy Rich Asian producers. Uh, Hollywood is gearing up to explore the origins of the planet's most reviled villain, uh, the coronavirus. So SK Global Entertainment, the Los Angeles production company, has enlisted award, Academy Award-winning screenwriter Charles Randolph with the idea of cra- crafting a cinematic tale that explores the harrowing weeks in China just before the COVID-19 uh, virus exploded into a global pandemic. So, so it's the same. It's basically the same group. And this guy, this Charles Randolph guy, is best known for writing the Oscar, writing the Oscar screenplay, The Big Short, which of course uh, attacked the banking industry and the yes. pre- presidency of George W. Bush. Uh, and so they, this, so he's going to do this. But in it is a very interesting line. They hope to begin filming in China soon. Mm-hmm. And he didn't say, oh, SK, this is, the, this is the Wall Street Journal. SK Global didn't say how much the production would cost. And the Wall Street Journal didn't ask them, where's the money coming from? Where's the money coming from? And Mr. Randolph said part of his movie will be in, will be in Mandarin, fitting with SK's broader strategy of producing local language content in potential growth markets. So they hope, they want a Chinese release. They want to film in China. There's only one reason there's only one way you can get that is that if you're if the go- the chinese government approved the script yeah. so therefore there will be no appearance be, be by dr lee yeah. who the whistleblower who who was who was arrested and and had to apologize for alerting his colleagues about the Wuhan and who died virus. and who died of covid and whose son was was born after he died and he's only one of the many heroes who tried to let the West know that something terrible was happening and that this disease was, you know, um, a deadly, deadly killer. Um, And he died, you know, for his efforts. And I don't think that he will be the hero of this piece. And I don't think that the Chinese Communist Party will be in any way implicated with the the hiding of information. Um, that they, they, they hid it from the WHO, they lied to the WHO. The WHO seemed quite happy to be lied to yeah. as well. I just want to give you some background. You know, so, you know, actually, to be fair, the Wall Street Journal does say that shooting a feature film in China requires script approval from government officials. Several years ago, in the hopes of appeasing Chinese censors, Viacom CBS. This is the one. Uh, Viacom CBS. No, it's, it's every. It happens all the time. Alters, but that's the one I was thinking of. World War Z. Alters this alters its altered its 2013 zombie apocalypse film World War Z, removing a reference of China as a possible source of the fictional outbreak. China still decided against letting the movie play there. And uh, <laughs> then Mr. Randolph, like SK executives, the scriptwriter Mr. Randolph. Hopes he could film the movie in China, but says he won't tolerate government meddling to win approval. I would imagine that any pushback means we'll have to go anywhere. We're not interested in having a lot of outside political influence on our work. That's not really what we do. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, by the way, maybe Mr. Randolph is just about to be in for a huge education that he didn't realize he needed. Or... Uh, he's being willfully, uh, you know, he he could be being deceptive there and just, you know, trying to say something for, but but it's I, I don't know. He could be in for a very very. 
Oh, well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Because, by the way, the, the second we find out that the financing from the Chinese has been withdrawn, we will know that Mr. Randolph is a person of principle who has decided that he's going to tell the truth and he's not going to do what the Chinese want. But I find it sort of hard to believe that he seems to be getting on so well with them right now yes. um, and for such a long time. So it's ah. kind of extraordinary. Okay. So in the next story, Philip, I wanted to bring this to your conscious level. So if you can see the, the screen over there. So yes. this is an interesting story from the New York Times, basically asking about the mood in the country during the coronavirus, you know, and asking, you know, how are, the, how are voters thinking about this? And it's kind of interesting, Phelan, can you see the screen mm -hmm. there, right? So well, basically- Just remember our, our listeners can't. They can't, I know, but Phelan's going to describe it to you. So we got a thing like, so they have what, they've got these kind of, they've got a, a graph showing Biden supporters Trump supporters, and then they're asking certain questions. And then you can, it's like a heat graph, right? Uh -huh. So you can see the number of people and, and the statistics. So of people who are hopeful, in general hopeful, um, and they have them in age groups, by the way. So the 18 to 34 great group, age group. Well, it's all very I, similar. They're all, they're, that's not, well, Trump supporters. I think the general thing is Trump supporters are very hopeful. Look at that. Yes. In every age group, Trump supporters are hopeful. They're over 80%, almost 90%, some of them. And in all age groups, Biden supporters actually are 60% They're are pretty hopeful. good, actually. They're yeah. pretty good. They're pretty hopeful, well, right? More, it's more clear when you look at uh, how Proud. They're... Now, when you, when you put the word proud to them, oh, yes. What do you find, Phelan? What do you funny, find? The well, Biden funny, supporters... 19% of young uh, Biden supporters are proud. Uh, and 85% of young Trump supporters are proud. And it's, it's kind of similar... Uh, all the way down. All the way down. Yeah, yeah. They're basically, they're not that proud, the Biden supporters, but the Trump supporters are very proud. The state of and then this, is about the, this is about the state of America. The state today. of America today. And hopeful and proud. And while wow, 16% of yeah. 18 to 34 year olds, God bless them, yeah. are, are hopeful and proud of America, the state of America today, 75% of 18 to 34 Trump uh, supporters, uh, 18 to 34 year old. It's, it's, you know, Again, it's a, a, as we say, a divided country. It's a very divided country and then exhausted. Biden supporters are exhausted. Even the young ones, right? The 18 to 34. Funny, the young ones are more exhausted than the old ones. Yeah, the young ones are more exhausted than the old ones. Yes, 88% That's true. Of, of 18 to 34 year old uh, Biden supporters are exhausted. And let's look at the old, let's look at the, and those 65% plus is 69%. So the, the 65 plus people are not exhausted. Uh, are, are, uh, but it's interesting. So there's a, you know, it's actually interesting and it's actually very sad too because this is how they're feeling and they're telling how they're feeling. So these young people on the Biden side are exhausted, whereas actually on the Trump side, the numbers are less than half people feel half feel that. I think way. everyone feels exhausted. But by the way, media, you know, and then scared. Another another one of these parameters. And the young people, are, young people, young are people are scared, and the Trump supporters are not scared. Yeah. And I'm just going to go through this. anxious again. Pretty much the same. Everyone's Very high proportion of of Biden supporters are and, feeling and, anxious. And, and eighty. Look, I mean, this is the sad. So eighty five percent of Biden of 18, young people eighteen to thirty four year old. Biden supporters are exhausted, but anxious, to, anxious, are sure anxious, and then for, and only forty-seven percent of Trump supporters in that age group, eighteen to thirty-four. But so eighty-five percent are exhausted, are are anxious, uh, in the eighteen to thirty-four-year-old range. But up when you go sixty-five plus, it's sixty-nine percent. It's less. So sixty-five plus are more relaxed, uh, but that to me is a very depressing figure about about young people, um, because. You know, 
they shouldn't be anxious or scared. No, no, exactly. But I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm quickly going to get past this, but I just wanted to look at the other chart that they looked at. The other chart they looked at, which they, the other question they asked was, they asked all these people, do you think that the coronavirus will get worse? And it's very interesting. And it's not at all surprising, by the way, because of the media. Trump supporters in the main are quite skeptical of the media. So I think a lot of Trump supporters are not trusting the media. And I mean, they're not trusting the media, but for the very reasons that we've pointed out day after day after day, where the media, for example, have done this thing where nowadays they're talking about caseload, these huge number of cases. They're not talking about deaths. They used to talk about deaths. When, de- when America was leading deaths, they were talking about deaths. And America never led deaths. America had a very large number, but yes. per million, the numbers were smaller than everywhere. And we know the media is deceptive because when they were talking in the early days about tests, uh, and Trump says, we've done the largest numbers of tests in the world, the media was very quick to pronounce it. Yes, but per capita, per million of population, the number of tests is low. Then... America ramped up the tests and it was high number of tests per capita and suddenly the media switched their attentions to the high number of deaths ignoring the per capita yeah. figure yeah. and now they're going for cases and not deaths so they're just every time so every Such time the statistic shows America in a good light they, they have mo- to change it. they move on yeah. and change the goalposts so and then but but I, just look at this i mean and again the, and by the way this really matters because people's mood affects everything about them. Will they be shopping? People are depressed, by the way. A lot of people are very depressed. So coronavirus will get worse, right? That question was asked. And it's look at this film. I mean, it's kind of amazing. So Biden supporters, 78% of the young people, 75% of the sort of middle-aged, 78%. So basically on the Biden side, more than three quarters of the people on the Biden side think things are going to get much worse with coronavirus. And interestingly enough, mm-hmm. on, the, on the Trump side, it's much, much less than that. It's less than half of that. Less than 30% of, of people on that side think that. Um, and, you know, again, did Trump prioritize the virus over the economy? Of course, the Biden cry, crowd thinks so. And the Trump side, no, not so much. Um, and uh, there's an interesting one, Phil. And I thought this was an interesting one to look at as well. Do you know someone who died with a virus? And interestingly, on the Biden side, more people knew well, someone. It's not that interesting. I mean, it's not that. Knew someone than people who didn't know someone. Because, and it's, it's where they live, right? It's because, uh, uh, because the deaths of virus is, is, is a democratic state. We're in democratic states. The deaths of, from the virus for, were, were focused on New York, New Jersey, Maybe Connecticut, yes, you know, yes. Republican state or Democrat state, and states. Washington state, and Washington the, state as well, a, yeah, and urban and, and particularly urban areas. And so well. equally, and equally, you know, exactly given what you've said, you know, in places where very staunchly conservative places, the death rate has been obviously very small. Those are shocking. And so statistics. this is a shocking statistic. That's just why I wanted to show you this film. So this, the next question was, how is Trump handling? The, is sorry, is Trump handling the coronavirus well? And you, you know, you can just imagine. So the numbers on the Biden side all in single digits the young people say five percent of them think he did well six percent in the middle age category four percent in the 50 to 64 and four percent in the 65 plus on the conservative side on the trump supporting side 80 percent of the young people on the young think that trump has done well 85 88 and actually the older people are even better. So at uh, people over 65, 93% of them on the Trump side think that, that the president has done well. I'm going to stop that. Yes. But it's just, I think what's, I think for me, when I read that, it brought up two things. One was the fact that the media have terrorized people, really, really terrorized people. But it also brought up 
um, a more stark uh, division between conservatives and liberals. And I've said this, we've talked about this a lot of times before, Phil, not on this show, but, but in speeches that we've given at college campuses, is that liberalism, leftism, is very, very depressing. Leftism has a very depressing message. And interestingly enough, and it's not, a, it's not instinctual that you would think that, conservatism is very, very optimistic. It's actually, I always said conservatives are the most progressive people I know. Yeah, you they know, believe in progress. They believe in progress. So, yeah, exactly. Conservatives believe in progress. So they're always kind of optimistic. So even in a situation like this where everything looks really terrible, you'll find that the conservative mentality, the mentality, and among the youngest conservatives even, uh, you know, as all of them, will have this sense of we're going to get out of this. America is a great country. All the, all the, you know, all the, all the, what do you call that? All the foundational things that matter are in place. Nothing yeah. structural is broken. Right. That well, all of the good things I think are conservatives, still there. Conservatives see humanity as a bonus, as a, as a, as a solution to the world's problems. Uh, liberalism sees humanity as, as the part of the problem. Uh, conservatives believe in humanity. Yeah. They believe in humans. Um, liberalism, unfortunately, sees humanity as, as, as the cause of problems. Not you know, and if you think of young people in colleges, and that's why some of those uh, statistics are so, so stark. You know, they think that there's too many people living in the world. They think there aren't enough resources for everyone. They think that, we're, you know, that we need planet B. We don't need planet B. We just need to use up the space we have on planet A and, and farm and use yeah. it and use all Funny, the resources I, I feel we like, have. I feel like going to campuses now and not speaking to conservatives only speaking to liberals of course i'd be we'd be banned right yeah they wouldn't you know? want you Philip. but you know just telling uh, young liberal people that, you've you never know, had it so you've good you've never had it so good but relax it's going to be brilliant it's going to be brilliant and, and and you know i wish somebody would do that and i think it's an incredible disservice that people go to college campuses and destroy the hope the natural hope that that lives in children and that lives in young yeah. people because the the actual fundamentals are great yeah. we've never lived longer by the way we have a pandemic that we're doing brilliantly through like absolutely mm. brilliantly through compared to previous pandemics we're doing better than we did from the last flu by the way in terms of fatality mm. so you know if only people could get those messages out to young people because it's it's very important being young it's people are fearful of the future or whatever and to come in as an adult as a grown-up who knows better and terrorize young people it's a it's a sin against humanity it's a it's a sin that by what would they say in ireland that cries to heaven for vengeance it's a terrible thing to take away the hope of a child and the optimism of a child um, and the courage of a child to go out and conquer everything because they can and they w and they should and they will and they if they get the right encouragement and they need to not be dis constantly destroyed by depressive leftism that kills and destroys everything beautiful um, because the world is a beautiful place and we are going to get out of this and we are going to get to the pub thanks be to god yes and if you're looking for something cheerful to watch a bit of fun just completely i think there might actually funny enough i'll very very quickly i watched um on netflix last night eurovision it's called eurovision i can't remember the full title of it but it's anyway it's with eurovision something i think there's something after that with will farrell um and amy adams i think it's amy adams is the second actress really really good really really funny by the way there is one little dig at trump in it it's unbelievable they couldn't help themselves but other than that it's actually quite delightful and funny um you know it's not it's not mind-bendingly brilliant but i would say a little bit of entertainment so today is monday guys this is going to be a short week for us by the way we're not going to have a virus on uh, Friday we are going to do Friday the 3rd the observance so we probably probably I think 
pretty much we can't because we're going to let everyone that works here take the day off and, uh, yeah. and enjoy the long weekend. But we'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Yes. With all the news of the, of the week, of, of the, the first pandemic. of the so, pandemic. Uh, don't forget to go to the Apple podcast uh, and leave a, a review, leave a rating. Uh, we really appreciate it. We need it. And it helps other people find the podcast as well. And recommend it to other people. Thank but you. Thanks so much. Um, soon. Next time. Okay. Bye. Bye bye. Hey.